Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In the sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations. Because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. For today's episode, instead of being joined by a guest, I'll be doing a lightning round of Ask Me Anything. All of these questions were submitted to me by our amazing listeners and readers. I used to do AMAs at the end of my episodes, and I do love answering all of your thoughtful questions, so I want to thank you for sending them in. If you have a question you would like for me to answer during our next round, you can do so through Goop's Instagram. Next week, we'll be back to our regular episode. So let's get to my questions today. Alexandra asks, I'm struggling with menopause. What do you suggest women do when their emotions are all over the place? Oh boy, Alexandra, this is really the question of the hour around here. So, you know, first of all, I want to commend you for answering the question because menopause, perimenopause, the process of, you know, before you go into enter actual menopause, which can start, you know, as early as 38, these are phases of a woman's life that we don't really talk about, we're embarrassed about it. And as I've always said, you know, I really do think that menopause needs a good rebranding because I know many women who get through their 40s and into their 50s and fully into menopause and feel amazing and vibrant and they have great sex lives and they're they feel fully realized and fully themselves. So I think we need to stop thinking about it as the end of something and more of the beginning of another chapter. As far as the emotions, you know, I think it's really fascinating. Like for me, I'm solidly in perimenopause. Everything is totally irregular and a surprise all the time. My emotions are all over the place as well. Sometimes I get in bed at night and my heart races. 
And the hormones are really no joke. And sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm a tetherball at the end of a of a cord and, and it's just like thrashing me around. My my approach really is to, you know, I'm staying I'm staying close to my doctor during this time and and also Will Cole, my functional MD, who's helping me a lot with certain supplementation. I do continue to think that diet and exercise is super important. You know, I try to walk multiple times a week, sweat, exercise, I sauna, and those are just my ways of coping and getting through it. I think you just everybody really has to listen to themselves and their own bodies and understand you know, intuitively as best as possible, what are those, what are those things that make you feel good and in in your body? And if it and if it gets really bad, that's what, you know, hormones are there for, for certain people, they've been, you know, I have friends that for whom they've been a lifesaver. And I have my more natural friends who would never touch them, and everything in between. So just speak to your doctor and do what's right for you. Christian asks, are you plant-based vegetarian? What are your thoughts on red meat? (laughs) Well, this is a good question. So first of all, can we discuss the phrase plant-based? I don't understand what that means because does that mean you don't eat meat or is you're just sort of orienting more around plants? I don't, I don't really like that because when someone says like, if I have a dinner guest and they, and I say, do, oh, do you have any food requirements and they say I'm plant-based I don't know what to serve them so someone please tell me what that actually means I'm not vegetarian although I have been trying to eat have vegetables kind of be at the center of my plate but at the moment I'm paleo so that's changed things for me recently because I used to eat a lot of lentils and garbanzo beans and things like that and a lot of rice and quinoa and all of that for the time being is kind of off my menu. I'm still dealing with some, a little bit of long haul COVID stuff and some inflammation. And so I'm really focused on bringing those inflammation levels down, doing some intermittent fasting when it works with my cycle. And so I do, I love fish. I eat some birds as well, as long as they're raised in a, in a way that is not a, you know, in a factory my thoughts on red meat, I'm not sure. You know, I know it's it's a moral issue for a lot of people. I did not eat red meat at all for about 22 years. And then through some severe anemia, it was suggested to me that I have just a little bit of grass-fed beef every once in a while. So sometimes I do, but I, I tend to not. I tend to gravitate towards fish and vegetables for the most part. Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host.
Tracy asks, if someone is talking behind your back, how do you handle coming face to face with this person? Oh my gosh. First of all, what, what grade is this person in, Tracy, for God's sake? Okay, so my, my feeling about it is this, and this is a great Oprah quote, and it's one that I live by. She said years ago, I don't remember what it was apropos of, but she said that if someone's talking about you behind your back, it's none of your business, which I think, which I think, <laughs> which I think is really, which I think is really, it's a pretty profound way to look at it because first of all, it's forcing your ego out of it because true, it's it's truly if somebody is talking about you behind your back, what business is it of yours? That is their bad karma. That's their evil tongue. They have to reckon with the energy of speaking badly about other people, not you. So, but a lot of times our egos get really hurt, of course, and it's completely natural. If somebody says something bad about you, you get defensive. You you feel stung, and so you know. Like if, if, if at this point in my life, if I, if I were to get injured by negative things that people say about me, I, I think I'd never get off the floor. So I just, I live by that. I don't think it has anything to do with me. You know, if, if somebody doesn't know me and they're speaking badly about me, it really, to me, it's like they might as well be talking about a cartoon character of me because they, they they can't know me and they don't know me. And believe me, I have a lot of flaws, but I want to get that feedback from somebody who knows me and who's invested in my growth. And I, I think that if, you know, I, ha- I, I think that on a certain level to be straightforward is really the only, the only way, like just to be straightforward. And if you want to come face to face with somebody who has been negative about you, I think it's all about the framing, right? So that you can get somewhere and not coming at into the conversation with an attack, but really just with as much vulnerability as you can and kind of trying to create a space of openness and willingness to actually communicate and get to the bottom of it. And if it's somebody that's not willing to do that, they're really, they shouldn't be in your life. They're just not worth your time. Abby is asking, how do you keep up with your healthy lifestyle while traveling when you can't control your schedule and food? This is a really good question, Abby. You know, I think that what I find difficult, well, first of all, let me just start by saying that I went to Italy for a week this summer and my diet went totally out the window. I just, I, I had wine and pasta and dairy and everything that I'm not supposed to have. And it was great. And I've never been happier. So that's that. I find it really difficult if I'm traveling to, you know, I don't find it so difficult to eat in a pretty clean way. I think in, in most in most places, you can get some clean vegetables and a clean piece of fish or a greens juice even now. But what's hard is, you know, trying to make a specific smoothie in a hotel room. And I just kind of give up on that. I just try to follow the tenets of the diet that I'm trying to follow or the lifestyle that I'm trying to follow at that moment. And also just not to be too hard on myself about rules. And not to forget to really enjoy yourself. Sophie asks, what is your best dating advice for early 20s? Hmm. I mean, I guess what I would say to that is that the 20s seems to be the decade that we are dating 
the person that's most similar to the parent that we had the most difficult relationship with. And we're trying to heal that relationship or get to the bottom of, of it through our dating choices. There's, there's, a, there's a great article actually that was in the New York Times a few years ago called Why You Will Marry the Wrong Person and essentially by a philosopher named Alain de Botton. And basically it's that, you know, we, we get this template of love from our parents and sometimes the one that is more complex is the one that imprints the hardest because we're, we're wiring up, we're trying to understand what love is, we're trying to understand what our worth is and, and how we can be in relationship to another person comes from that place. So I think for most of us, our 20s, is, is, is that's, that's what we do. And it can, for certain people, you know, it can be very destructive if they had a really tough relationship with a parent, or it can just be complex. So I, I guess what I would say is get to the bottom of your issues, because those will be informing why you're chasing the person that doesn't seem to understand your your worth or doesn't love you back or is too needy like there will be a primary issue from your childhood that will point you in the wrong direction sometimes and in many of our cases so i would say if you really get to the bottom of you know the relational dilemmas that you have that were set up in your childhood and your early childhood patterning and you're really honest with yourself, you'll have a much better probability of choosing the right person in your 20s. And it doesn't have to be so painful. Madison asks, what is your favorite clean makeup product? That's a really good question. I think, you know, I really love Gucci Westman's products. They're they're super clean. And I love all of her kind of highlighters and, and bronzers. Like she's got all these great sort of cream, delicious cream bronzers and highlighters. I also love Beauty Counters. I think it's called Dew Foundation. It's like a little tinted moisturizer with some SPF in it. And it's fantastic. Whenever I need just a little bit of evenness in skin tone, I, I put that on. Okay, Kat is asking, what advice do you have for young mothers? Kat, I'm going to give you the best advice ever, which was given to me by my pediatrician in London when I when when Apple was very 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 young. I was, you know, fraught as most young mothers are, new mothers are, and you know, didn't know if I should give her a baby Tylenol. I didn't know this. I didn't know how to, you know, there were so many questions. So my pediatrician in London when I was when Apple was just born gave me the best advice for new mothers that I had ever heard, which was mother knows best. So everybody's going to be full of advice about what you should do and shouldn't do and what age they should do this and that and eat or not eat or how old should they have solid food. Like I could go on and on and on. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody thinks you should do it the way they did it. And the truth of the matter is nobody knows better than you. Mother always knows best. Just listen to your intuition. Do what feels right for you and your baby and that will be the right decision. Mel asks, what are your favorite cookbooks? Oh my goodness. Wow. 
There's so many great cookbooks, and I love cookbooks. I learned how to cook out of cookbooks, and I would say I really love – there's a a restaurant in London called The River Cafe, and – they had a great series of cookbooks. I love those books. I love Ina Garten's books. They're really easy to learn from. I'm trying to think what else. The Joy of Cooking is such a great old classic. What else do I use a lot? These days I sort of just kind of freehand it. I really I really like my own cookbooks too. I worked super hard to get all those recipes right, so sometimes I pull those out and, and follow those as well. Anna asks, how would those close to you describe you? That's a good question. I think they would say that I am very organized and motivated. I'm extremely impatient, which is a terrible quality. I think I'm very loving. And they would probably say, the people who know me best would say that I was funny. Maureen asks, what is your favorite concert ever attended? Wow, Maureen, this is, I'm old now. So, you know, I'm like going through decades and decades. I saw a Jay-Z and Kanye West concert, Watch the Throne concert, or was it just called The Throne at the time? What was the, you know, the the album was called Watch the Throne. Anyway, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life. And my other favorite was you 2 played the Joshua Tree from start to finish. And that was a couple years ago now. And I saw it with my best friend, Mary. We've been best friends since we were about four years old. And that album was so meaningful to us. And it was such a nostalgic, amazing thing. And we saw it at the Rose Bowl in LA. And it was a beautiful night. And that was pretty powerful. Andrew asks... What's the one book you believe changed your life? Oh, my God, Andrew, that is so hard. I don't even know if I can answer that question. You know, I I love to read, and I don't get to do it, especially novels, as much as I used to. But I don't know. Maybe I would have to go back and think about books that I read when I was, you know, in middle school because, you know, books like even – Romeo and Juliet, the play, or The Catcher in the Rye, those books that at that extremely tender, formative age just showed you the possibility of your own inner life and what that could be. And, you know, when when I was that age, books is how we found that, you know, they're, they're was no internet, you know, music was not as easily discoverable as it is now. And so for me, it was books and even Jane Eyre, when I which I read when I was 10, just novels and plays that let you conjure a future self, it would be I would be hard pressed to name one. Jay asks, what is something that you're least confident about? Oh, my gosh, there's so many things. Oh, you know, I would say, you know, this, I have many answers to this, and they they will change f- throughout the, the day or the week or decade that you're asking. I think right now, with where we are as a company at Goop, I, there is kind of an operational rigor that I am not confident about being able to execute. You know, it, this is sort of one of the areas where 
when you're not from a corporate background, when you're a founder and an entrepreneur who didn't go to business school, who didn't work at other startups. You know, there's a constant unknown about every phase that you're in. And it seems like as soon as I start to get some confidence about a phase that we're in, we're, we're thrown into the next phase and I completely lose confidence again. And something that I've realized recently is that I'm, I'm a very formless thinker in a certain regard. And I'm not good at creating rubrics to then sort of you know, follow and have everybody aligned in that way, you know, however you are, whatever the mechanism is that people use to track progress and execution, whatever OKRs or Gantt charts or whatever, I really have no confidence that I'm able to, I'm, I have confidence that I'm able to clearly articulate an idea or a strategy, but then to create the framework to get everybody aligned and to track, I have, I have no confidence in that because I can't do that. That's why. Savvy asks, if you have one weekend in Los Angeles, what is a must do? Oh, that's hard. Los Angeles is such an incredible place because it's just so giant and diverse and every neighborhood has its own completely distinct character. But, you know, I'm I'm kind of one of those people that I don't think it's necessary to go to the beach in Los Angeles, but I do love to be out in nature in Los Angeles. So I love the juxtaposition of kind of having a hike in the morning and maybe seeing the ocean and then, you know, having world-class food later that night. Like Los Angeles has some of the best restaurants, I think, in the world. And what I love about Los Angeles at the moment, or anyway, pre-COVID, what I loved about it, and I haven't <laughs> been out very much, but what I hope will reemerge is this very new iteration of the city. It feels like in the last few years, we've had this incredible influx of people who are coming to Los Angeles um, and are in so many different fields. It used to be such a show business heavy town, and now there's there are so many fine artists and finance people and just, you know, across the board, it's it's become very different. And I think that's really contributed to the feel of it. You know, I, I, I think that there's, I, I love the Broad. That's kind of my favorite museum in LA. I think going down there, checking that out, and then finding a few great places to eat. That's what I would do. I would go to Lunasia for the best dim sum. I, th I, I think it's in the San Gabriel Valley. Nell asks, do you have a favorite movie you could watch over and over? Yes, anything with Julia Roberts, I could watch over and over. And then all of the movies like from the 80s. So, you know, St. Elmo's Fire. When Harry Met Sally, I could watch over and over. 16 Candles, all the John Hughes movies, all those ones from my, from my youth. Annette asks, how has your workout routine changed from your 30s into your 40s? Well, and uh, Annette, I'm just so tired. <laughs> I think I still try to do something every day, but I used to do like an hour and a half or two hours of Tracy Anderson all the time. And I just, I just, I don't have the stamina. And I do think we just change in our 40s. So, and it's, you know, I've had lots of 
physicians say not to over-exercise as well. And that it's, you know, that's also really important to know when to stop, to know when to rest. So I would say in my 30s, I went super hard six days a week. In my 40s, I, I still do my Tracy Anderson. I do it about three times a week. And then I love yoga. I've brought yoga back in the last few years. So I'll do a yoga class or two, or I will do the class by Taryn Toomey on video, obviously, these days. Or I, And I love to walk. I love to walk. My husband and I walk multiple times a week. I really feel like the the body and the soul connect when you walk. So that's kind of my preferred one. But also lifting some weights too, because my doctor recently said we lose muscle mass as we age and it's good for bone density, etc. Phoebe asks, do you have any tips for moving to a new country in your 20s? Wow. That's very brave. And I, I guess I did that. I moved to the UK in my 20s. And well, the reason that I say it's brave is, I, I mean, it's lonely. It's, it's at first, you know, it's so, it feels so foreign in a foreign country and all the comfort foods are different and etc. So I think just take your time. Know that it takes, I think it takes a full year before you start to feel really at ease and comfortable. I think it's really important to find your little spots that you love. So do a bunch of research and find some great places to get coffee near you or whatever it is that you drink or like, a little bar, a little cafe, and start to establish some routines. Because I think when you have routines anywhere, you feel more grounded and, and you feel more at home. Also, I would say, you know, I loved being an expat. I really loved the experience of kind of observing everything every day. It's like no matter how long I lived in, in London or how many times I drove my kids to school the same way, I used to notice things all the time in a way that, you know, I just don't when I'm in New York or L.A. So I think being able to see that as a gift, just that you're so awake to all of these new ways of of living and and architecture yeah and then if the city has things that you love find those things you know if you love contemporary art go go check it out or if you love jazz go find the places like go find the things that will really make you feel excited about the place that you've chosen to live martha asks what does apple use for skincare well, Martha, you know, she's a Gen Zer, so they have very little brand loyalty. I don't know if you're aware of this. So every time I go in there, she's got a different thing that she's trying. She does gravitate to the goop, the malachite cleanser, which is great for pores and for teenage skin. So that's always in rotation there. She's also uh, a new, she's, the newest one that she's trying is Curology which is a prescription skincare that they, they send to you. She seems to be very into that at the moment. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's Ask Me Anything. I hope it was interesting. I'm not sure it was, but thanks for listening anyway. And thanks to everybody who sent in questions. I really love hearing from you and hearing what you are curious about. So thank you for doing so. And we will see you next time.